Hey guys, welcome to the Better Way podcast, where we have conversations about anything and everything pertaining to following Jesus in everyday life. I'm your host, Adam Winter, alongside co-host Matt Dorn. Matt, say something. Hi. Hi, Matt. And I think we're also going to keep him, Ryan Breland. Like a puppy that's being adopted. Yeah, you're in. I'm in. You, you're the tri-host. Yeah. It. You're, you're All good. right. Welcome. I didn't pee on the couch or anything, so I get to stay. Yeah. Just yeah. yeah. a little stain. Just a little stain, right. yeah. I get a little excited sometimes. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, this is episode just number two, so you're joining at a good time. Um, we are doing today, this is Wednesday Word, so we're doing these every Wednesday throughout the summer. Uh, our church is New Covenant Church here in Greenwood, South Carolina. We just started a 90-day reading campaign where we're reading the Gospels uh, through the summer together. So every Wednesday, we're going to be discussing that particular day's chapter reading. So today, that is what we're doing. We are in Matthew chapter 10. So hopefully you have read it or will read it at some point so that you can kind of have a better grasp on what we're talking about today. But uh, just to dive right in, in this chapter, and if you got a Bible, you're free to turn there. Uh, it's going to be mainly talking about Jesus sending out the 12 disciples. And up to this point, the disciples have been passengers with Jesus. They've been riding shotgun on the donkey. Jesus has been leading them. They've been following him. He's been healing. He's been teaching. He's been casting out demons. He's been proclaiming the arrival of the kingdom of God, and they have had a front row seat. But now in this chapter, things are changing. He is sending them out on their own to do the same things that he's been doing. So first and foremost, what he's calling them to do, and you can see this in, in the chapter itself, this is verse 7, he's sending them out to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven was breaking into the present world. So what does that message mean? That That's a whole other podcast episode in and of itself, but in short, it means that Jesus, with his arrival, had turned everything upside down. Uh, power structures had been toppled, now it's the weak that are strong, it's the hungry that are satisfied, it's the peacemakers that are called sons and daughters of God. It's the meek, the humble that will inherit the earth. It's those that are persecuted, which we'll talk about in a minute here, that that enter into the kingdom of God. Again, if you've been reading along with us through the Gospels, through the book of Matthew uh, these last couple weeks, uh, just not long ago we read Matthew chapter 5, which is the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, in there Jesus says uh, a whole bunch of things that seem backwards, that seem upside down, and just quick caveat here. If you're not reading the plan with us, just want to make sure I say this, you can join us. Uh, go to our website, ncgreenwood.org. You can find our reading plan there, and you can just pick it up um, on the date that you want to start reading along with us. But again, Matthew 5, Jesus is going through these beatitudes, these statements about what living within this kingdom looks like, and it's jarring. It's, it can feel backwards. This, this kingdom that Jesus announced that he called his disciples to announce and that he's now calling all of us to announce is an upside-down kingdom that is absolutely changing reality. This Jesus, we know, will be enthroned as king, and the way that that's going to happen is through a brutal death, where the crown he receives is a crown of thorns, and Jesus is going to conquer by being conquered. So just think about how upside-down that was then, how confused his early disciples must have been, and and consider how upside-down that is now in modern day. Right, so we're just going to jump into some questions as we look at this text together. Ryan, you got the first one today, puppy dog. My tail is wagging. <laughs> so I, hope I don't pee. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. All right. Ryan, uh, 
as we were talking about the kingdom of God, this proclamation of this this kingdom that has arrived, this good news that has come, um, talk to us about how this kingdom hit this is this pro- proclamation of a kingdom and this king hit Jewish ears. How did this hit them? What might they have been expecting when they heard the arrival of this long promised thing? Um, what did they envision? How did that differ from what Jesus was announcing? So however you want to take that question, run with it. Yeah, so I think it's one of those things where it meant a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, I think we can, again, we live in 2023 and there's, you know, however many millions of people in the U.S. who view the world and situations very differently, right? And so if mm-hmm. I were to ask you, you know, hey, what do you think of President fill in the blank? Your answer would be different from Matt's answer. It would be different from mine. It would be different from, you know, go, go on. We all would interpret it differently. But there are a few major things that I think um, maybe across different party lines, to use uh, modern-day terms, we would see. So, like, for instance, um, we, we look and we see Matthew as a tax collector. Uh, the tax collectors and the Sadducees, uh, people like that, you know, they really weren't looking forward to the kingdom of God. Uh, things were going good for them. So, you know, if you're a tax collector, if you're a Sadducee, you're in power. You don't, you know, why do you want a king to come? Things are pretty good, right? You don't chilling. want, yeah, you're chilling. Things are great. Uh, if you're a Pharisee, you're concerned about maybe like more moral purity and ceremony, right? You're wanting to go back to like the glory days of kind of the Old Testament, and you know, and so they're kind of maybe expecting something like that, something that they read about in, you know, in their Old Testament books. Also something that's interesting, right? The Sadducees, they only read the first five books of the Bible. They were so sad, you see. That's why they were so, well, that's one of the reasons. They are sad yeah, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, this, okay, <laughs> I'll go for it. You know, I'll set it up. All right, so the Sadducees, Adam, guess what? They didn't believe in the resurrection. And that's why they were so sad, you see. Oh. Uh, and we'll add, yeah, a little chimes in the audience. people haven't heard that, so they're like probably rolling It's right a great out. joke. It's a, it's I a hope you guys joke. are rolling over on the floor laughing your little heinies <laughs> off. Um, but again, yeah, they also, they didn't have, they didn't read uh, from Joshua on in the Bible. So they didn't, a lot of the prophecies about the king and stuff like that were kind of foreign to them and they didn't really pay attention to. Um, again, Pharisees are people who ha- were reading those prophecies and were reading uh, hopefully, I think I could be kind of a Pharisee apologist, but I think they're reading about how Israel was taken into captivity because of their moral unfaithfulness to God and just kind of all their sins. So they're really, hey, we need to be obedient. We need to follow these rules mm-hmm. and commandments because if we don't, you know, things are going to get worse. And when we do, things will get better. Like the kingdom will be returned to us. We'll be in power and we'll have vengeance on all our enemies. You know, you have some people like the Essenes who are living in the desert who, you know, they don't really care about Rome. They don't care about Israel. They're just, hey, let's hang out in the desert and just... Catch me with those guys. Yeah. Put me in a cave with the Essenes. Yeah. That sounds like a good time. We're going to just chill and, like, let Rome burn, let, you know, let the Pharisees burn, let the Sadducees burn. Yeah. And then we see, like, even here in verse 4, we see Simon the Zealot, right? You have these people who are zealots who are like, let's get, you know... Let's get physical. Like, let's pull out knives. Let's pull out swords, and like, let's take the kingdom by force. Like, we gotta, you know, drop a few bodies to let the kingdom come. This so be it. And so, there's a lot of different ideas about yeah. how the kingdom will come, what kind of kingdom it will be, and who the king will be. And I think, you know, again, if you were to ask everybody in Israel, hey, what do you think it means when the kingdom of God? You might hear some of these themes. But I think you're going to hear a lot of different answers. I think none of them would look like Jesus. 
I think again, if you were to ask us, hey, what what the kingdom looked like, so none of our answers would be like who Jesus actually was. Y'all can talk further on that, but yeah, what, what are some ways that Jesus? I mean, I, I mentioned some of it obviously with the beatitudes and stuff, but like, what are some other ways that Jesus either fit into some of those expectations, or he just brushed up and just <laughs> crushed all of their expectations because he was so different than what they had anticipated. Well, we do see it, you know, in Matthew 5, he does fulfill the law, right? And he says, hey, your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisee. So on one hand, he's saying the Pharisees are close, you're doing good, but, but do you got to do better. Yeah. And then, he, you know, he spends that time unpacking, hey, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this. And so he's calling us to a level of moral purity and uprightness that's above even that of the Pharisees, right? Mm-hmm. And so on one hand, you see, again, he's saying similar to what they're saying, but again, going a step further. On one hand, again, he is calling us to almost be separate and different from the world, right? We're, we're supposed to stand out. We're not supposed to worry about material things. You know, we're not supposed to worry about what we're going to eat, about clothes and stuff like that. And not, again, like the Essenes who just live in the caves and are absent from the word, world who kind of ditch it all. But Jesus is calling us and saying, your father will take care of you, right? You don't have to worry about these things, not because they don't matter, but because your heavenly father, father cares about you and he's got your back. Um, I'll, I've talked a lot, so I'm going to let my, Matt talk now. No, just even, even, even how he's describing what this kingdom looks like and the meek will inherit the earth, a, a lot of humility. There's no power play. It's all s- selfless and, mm-hmm. and serving, and so it's completely upside down from all these people that you've mentioned before, how they thought it would be uh, as Jesus is describing this. Uh, this kingdom and what it looks like and how we're to live into that and what what it what we're to to live for and live live like it's mm-hmm. completely different than what anybody uh, had in mind and yeah. even even to ourselves even even today when we look at those texts and we we're reading these 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 truths these commands from God to to live like this it is so foreign from from our own our own way because right we want to establish our own type of kingdom yeah. where mm-hmm. we are where we call the shots and and what we think is right. Yeah, and so Matt, kind of just targeting the question toward you, and this is kind of transitioning to a different part of this chapter here. It also has a lot to say about persecution. Uh, I do think it's kind of fun, kind of sort of funny to think about what were the, the disciples thinking, because at first, if, if you read it, it sounds like they're getting sent out to do something pretty awesome. Yeah, we're about to like, cast out demons oh, yeah, and heal people. Raise dead people. We're yeah, about to heal this let's city. get it. Yeah, they're like, man, this is gonna be awesome. And then, like a couple minutes later, he's like, hey, but also, <laughs> I'm sending you out a sheep among wolves, yeah. and you're gonna be standing before people that are gonna like murder you, and it's gonna be really so that they and just this probably a roller coaster of emotions there, where they're yeah. super excited, they're ready to go, like, man, yeah. we've been waiting for this, and then the next thing is like, yeah, but you're you're gonna die, <laughs> like, and so I don't know into the persecution conversation, Matt, um, and, and kind of bring it down to our level, you know, cause even though Jesus does call us to live a, a very countercultural way, um, that doesn't not, that is, that isn't always received well by the world, right? Sometimes it's like, you know, it's a fragrance of what, what was the verse? Corinthians? Of death to some. Yeah. It's a fragrance of death to some. It's a realm of life to others. So a lot of times it's a fragrance of death, right? Even though we're, we're trying to faithfully follow Jesus, do what he says. Sometimes that brushes up against people that don't follow him. And there's a lot of kickback and there's even persecution. So the latter half of this chapter has a lot to say about persecution. Bringing it down to our context, uh, Matt and, and Ryan, you're, you're free to share on this as well. Uh, you're free. I release you to share on this as well. Um, Dobby is free. <laughs> do, you, do you believe that we face persecution in the United States? I'm just going to keep that, that short and sweet. Yeah, um, persecution to this extent that's being described here by no means um, mm-hmm. uh, we 
people would probably um, say that they would have some type of persecution and they would classify that. I'd be curious to know their definition, but it would look nothing like our livelihood is at stake uh, because we live in such a, a bubbled, comfortable environment here that everything is so secure. I mean, when, when you hear s- people say that the poorest of the poor are the richest of the rich in the world in the United States, mm. that's a big statement for yeah. us who live in this, this part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when you hear, I, I, I am very cautious to hear to someone, label, yeah. to, la- to label yeah. us as Americans living in this country uh, being per- as being persecuted when every day I listen to this newscast, it's like five minutes and they give you updates on just random missionaries in the world who are just, they're putting their lives on the line. Thinking about uh, a missionary that we just supported here, he's going into a unreached people group, putting his life on the mm-hmm. line to yep. share the gospel. Mm-hmm. We don't even do yeah. that. We're scared enough to share the gospel with our neighbor probably yeah. and face what, rejection from our neighbor who we probably don't talk to anyways. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, persecution and on our level is non-existent, yeah. if any. Can I tag in? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think maybe sometimes the reason we think it's persecution is kind of like you were saying earlier, like we're scared of losing power. And mm-hmm. so we think, oh, we're losing power, we're losing influence, we're being persecuted. It's like, no, nah. you know, we're just, our, our power structures may be falling out of favor, falling out of, you know, influence, but that's not persecution. Mm-hmm. I think, again, maybe because our culture is changing, the world is changing, and I think some people that's scary to some people they're like this is bad and we've confused maybe our cultural preferences and kind of with Christianity and sometimes maybe we you know married the two so closely together that we can't see and say okay you know some cultural things that I hold to are falling out of favor Mm -hmm. but maybe not necessarily you know Christianity I think there's a reality of and maybe we could hit on this more but like yeah maybe people have not met genuine true you know god fearing people who like embody the holy spirit who are and we're going to talk about this people who are you know uh innocent as doves shrewd as serpents and you know when they meet that kind of humility and that innocence that you know holiness that being set apart i think that's in one way that is going to be offensive to some people but to a lot of people as you're saying that's like an aroma of life and they're you know I know Matthew five sixteen we read this, but he tells us to let your you know let your good works shine before men that they would you know, let your light shine before men right that they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, as we live, we should be living in such a way that the world looks and says like, man, like these people, there's something different about them, and like they through our actions, through our love, they would see that God is real. Mm-hmm. I think again, the world has not seen that, or maybe they haven't seen that, mm-hmm. and that's why you know there's definitely there's tension i think some individuals do face persecution for their faith people who have you know you you come from a family that's not christian you become a christian or maybe even at your job your workplace you're the one christian the one guy who's like you know yeah i'm not going to swear like everybody else i'm not going to look at things everybody else is looking at and yeah you're going i mean matthew 5 talks about that that also right in the beatitudes Mm -hmm. like blessed are you when you're you know persecuted you're made fun of you're ridiculed for my sake for the kingdom's sake Mm -hmm. and so that certainly does happen to people where you're you're an outsider or you're an outcast because you're like, hey, I'm not going to fall in with the rest of the crowd. I'm going to choose to be different. I'm going to choose to be set apart. And they kind of, you know, kick you out. I think that is persecution. Yeah, and there's there's definitely, again, we're, we're making kind of sweeping general, generalizations here. There are definitely yeah. some anomalies like that where, you know, people are, you know, 
the only person in their classroom that is saved, and they're just you know getting flack for that and get made fun of or, yeah. or ridiculed or whatever. Yeah. Um, like you said, the only saved person in their family or 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 whatever at their job at side. their job. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we don't want to diminish those realities. Those are hard situations for sure, and that is a form of persecution, I would say. But just looking at kind of like the biblical definition of persecution, mm-hmm. it is generally speaking mostly absent in the United States, I think is what y'all are both saying. And yeah. I, I think to, to, to go off what y'all both said in different ways, we're very privileged to live where we live. Like I can go read my Bible openly in any coffee shop yeah. I want in town, any public space. And to be honest, if I was feeling crazy, I could jump up on the table and probably start street preaching with a megaphone. Yeah. And like, you might get some love for it. You might get some love for it. You probably uh, get some applause. The worst yeah. thing that might happen is a cop might show up to tell me to like turn my volume down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So, you know, people can point to the culture wars, and I think that's what you were alluding to, Ryan, and, and, and there's something to be said about those things for sure, you know. Um, we absolutely do live in, in an increasingly hostile environment and, and uh, hostile culture for sure. Um, but, yeah, we don't want to conflate political values yeah. you know conservative or or you know progressive values with um and not having those things yeah. not getting those things as persecution yeah. I, I think that's a reach i think yeah i don't want to belabor the point but i think again there's a difference between first and second century going into third century christianity where it's illegal yeah. you know it's literally mm-hmm. against the law yeah. and you're yeah you are taking your life at, at risk by saying Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 21st century America, where, again, it's not illegal. you got churches on every street corner. And may, you may be falling out of favor. It may not be as popular. But, you know, those are two very different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, follow-up question, and we've kind of touched on this, but just to kind of nail it down a little harder. Um, do you think that we, if we can agree that to a large extent we don't face persecution, um, do you think that's the case because we're more tolerant in the United States? Because we'd be like, oh, we're just so, you know, religiously tolerant and kind of believe whatever you want out here. Or do you think that we don't face persecution as much because we live a compromised faith and the version of Christianity that we live is watered down? And I think that it kind of made me feel like what you were saying, Ryan, with the uh, the not... Uh, the Matthew five sixteen verse about, you know, actually doing the good works to give glory to your father in heaven. Maybe that's more absent. You know, we're good church going people and maybe yeah. we even read our Bibles, but when it comes to actually living out this faith on display, that's not as evident. And, and could that perhaps be the reason why we don't experience the kickback uh, through persecution as much? So any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think maybe that's the reason maybe we don't face as much kickback and persecution, but also maybe we don't face the, the blessing, right? You know, in Matthew 9, the last verse going into chapter 10 is, uh, behold, um, or he says, you know, therefore pray earnestly. This is Matthew 9, 38. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord, to the harvest, to send laborers into the harvest. So he's talking about how, like, hey, the harvest is plentiful. Like, there's people, and so he's telling his disciples, he's telling us, like, there are tons of people who are, the, the fields are ripe for the harvest and ready, you know, people who want to come and know the Lord. And I think that, like, Maybe the reason, again, we don't maybe see people coming to the Lord, we don't, we're not experiencing the harvest and taking the harvest in, is because we are not living that lifestyle, right? So I think it's, it could be a, you know, both where it's like, well, maybe on one hand, we're not facing the persecution. On the other hand, we're not also receiving the harvest because our lives are so uh, sterile, you know? Yeah. We're just so siloed off from the world where 
we go to church, we read our Bibles, and then we're not engaged in the community and world around us. So we're not going to get pushed back, but we're also not going to get a harvest because we're just kind of, you know, yeah. tapping out. Yeah, and I, th- I think, too, like um, what Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see is in all of this, he's telling them that he's with them, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's saying, yeah. I'm sending you, so you're, you're, you're going on his authority. Yeah. Um, this is how you're going out, uh, and you don't have to be anxious. So he's, he's setting them up. He's saying, like, mm-hmm. you're going to— you're gonna. Your life is on the line when you go out and do these things. Yeah. But you don't have to be anxious because I'm with you, mm-hmm. and I'm sending you. I mean, you don't have the words to say. You know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna help you. Give yeah. you these words to say. Yeah. And I think in our lives, the reason why we don't think it's a reality is because we're always living for ourselves, our mm. agenda. We don't realize that God is really with us. He can actually use us. We can actually trust Him enough to to work in our circumstances. We can actually trust Him enough to that even our circumstance may not look like this circumstance where our life is physically on the line. Yeah. And the more we live into that, the more we realize, wow, God is really with us, the more bold we're going to be in our proclamation of this good news, this this kingdom that God is us yeah. in. And that's, and then I think the more that becomes fruitful in our life, the more you're going to experience that pushback, right, mm-hmm. from from people and individuals. And the then, then you're, like, more assured, like, okay, yes, no, God is with me. Yeah. Um, I th- can I tag in? Yeah, gotcha. yeah. I think for me and maybe some of us, like, I can get so, I can look past that Jesus is with me. You know, the Spirit of your Father uh, is speaking through you in verse twenty, and kind of immediately go to, like, skip the parts about God and highlight the parts about me. So it's like, okay, I have to go preach the gospel. I have to go do these things. Don't and forget this, the yeah, yeah, like wait, 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 wait. Of God. yeah, <laughs> saying like I'm with you. Don't don't fear. Yeah. You want to be fear anything in verse twenty six. I mean, he's he's assuring them like yeah. I'm with you, uh, and and don't worry about this outcome, but but just trust me in what I'm telling you to do right now. Yeah, and that is so hard for us, right? Like it yeah. makes people we, thy word is a lamp to my feet, light to my path. It just shines a little bit of light to yeah. the next step and the next step. Yeah, and God's just like just follow me right here, right now. Yeah, and so guys, that's a good transition to kind of our last last question. Um, because we you know, just want to wrap, kind of start to wrap it up here. But in, in verse 16, Jesus makes a statement, understanding what we just talked about, that he's he's sending them, but he's also like, but I'm also with you, right? Like the Spirit's going to be with you. He's going to give you the things to say and all this. But he makes a statement. He says, I'm sending you out of sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents, as innocent as doves. Other translations say as shrewd as a serpent. Um, but uh, N.T. Wright is a, is a New Testament scholar, and he said this about that verse, which I, I just thought was kind of a bar. Uh, he says, faced with this awesome challenge, Jesus' sharp advice to his followers was, be shrewd like snakes, but innocent like doves. Christians often find it easy to be one or the other, but seldom both. And he says, without innocence, shrewdness becomes manipulative. Without shrewdness, innocence becomes naivety. So on that note, on that that commandment there to go out and to be wise as a serpent and, and as innocent as a dove what do you guys think i mean you can come right off that verse but what do you think like what does it look like for us in 2023 to respond to that call from christ in our own context in our own you know jobs families uh workplaces schools whatever how do we function and live as as wise as a serpent as innocent as a dove it I don't know if I'm off here. It kind of makes me think of where Jesus says to embody grace and truth. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. And yeah. I'm just like, when I think of wisdom, like, okay, I just think of like, sometimes my tendency to be like, no, I'm gonna do the right thing. I'm gonna be wise. And sometimes when I get into that staunch like place, I can I can neglect 
the innocent as dove thing <laughs> and that can come off like harsh or whatever and the flip side is is true as well where like if i'm just like oh, i'm just gonna be like i'm just gonna love everybody and love everything and just love this and like everything's just love and i can neglect the the and maybe i'm answering the question i'm asking but we'd love to hear y'all just kind of speak on that what does it look like to to heed jesus's words there yeah no i just i again to reiterate i my mind immediately went to jesus's statement like to that he was embodied both grace and truth and if we are really following jesus then we want to emulate that as well and so um yeah we want we want to have that like comparing the snake to the truth side like i know when, when i think of a snake it's i, I kind of know how it's going to react it's going to be quick it's going to be doing all these kind of things and that it embodies that, that that truthfulness that i know when i think about this dove i think about this this peaceful calm and graceful kind of thing and and like uh, N.T. Wright said, you can't have one without the other, right? Yeah. That was his point. We have to embody both of these. That's right. And so practically what that looks like is we have to uh, embody the truth. We hold fast to the truth. We don't compromise the truth. But um, we speak it th- in a, there, in a there's also way, yeah. a way and a manner in which that truth can be uh, is related, and it's, it's full of grace. And it, 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 it needs to be said, and sometimes it's hard, but there's a manner in which that it can be said in gracefully, and that is... Uh, you know, think about the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. What a great truth to know, but what an also way that God calls us in. Think about the, the great apologetic verse, um, you know, when we're supposed to compel people. Uh, what's the verse in Peter? Yeah, I have it right here. Dude. Yeah, we're, dude. Oh, we're on the same, I, yeah, same wavelength, same wavelength baby. Go. I love it. All right, so First Peter 3.15 says, uh, and I love this, but it says, yeah. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, mm-hmm. always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And then verse 16 it says, Having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your mm-hmm. good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Right. And I think, so yeah, because I, I think it's telling us here, like, again, like being sh- smart enough, shrewd enough, clever and cunning enough to like, give a response to, you know, share the good news of the truth, to share the gospel with people, but also in your behavior, like, you got to be above reproach so that, you know, you, yes, you may have the best answer and have the best apologetic, but if you're acting like a tool, nobody's going to listen, right? <laughs> yeah. and so we say, you know, don't, like, if they're, if the, you know, he's, yeah, he says, you know, who, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So again, they may, they can't accuse you if they say, hey, but his correct, his character, you know, he's not humble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a liar. He's a, he's a turd. He's this or that. We're like, no, like, non-believers would be able to speak to him and say, man, he's a believer, but he's a good person. You know I mean? Yes, he believes in Jesus, but he's not a hypocrite. He's not anything like that, which is, I think, the accusation that most Christians are labeled with. When you think about is, Jesus, and I mean, friend of tax collectors and sinners, like, mm-hmm. this is the guy. He, he is the guy. Yeah. And the people that flocked to him, even though he was the Christ who was, you know, not just tolerant of their sin, but he loved them completely and yet called them to, you know, go and sin no more at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They wanted to hang out with this guy constantly. And so, I mean, like, I think obviously he is the he is the representation of what it looks like to yeah. to embody both of these things shrewdness wisdom and innocence. But yeah, guys, kind of just closing us out. Um, hopefully, this was helpful to you. Again, we're going to be doing biweekly episodes uh, on a regular episode front, and then these Wednesday Word episodes are going to be dropping every single Wednesday. So if you like what you've heard, uh, make sure you like and subscribe us on wherever you're listening Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Share with a friend, and hey, if you're feeling crazy, give us a five-star rating so you can bump us up the stupid algorithm, right? Because you can't even find us half the time, because there's all these other Better Way podcasts.
They're not the better way. They're the worst way. So give <laughs> us, <laughs> yeah, give us five stars. Oh, Bump man. us up. Uh, share, <laughs> share, uh, yeah, share with friends, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.